Welcome into Dragon Ball Super Dope. My name is Kyle. Thank you for checking us out. A very special episode today, one we've been teasing for the better part of the last two months. Uh, I am joined today by an artist that uh, sent me a very random message through Instagram, uh, maybe in, I don't know, October, November, somewhere in there, and said, hey, I just released this Dragon Ball-based music project. I'd like for you to check it out. not an uncommon occurrence in our Instagram box, but uh, for whatever reason, I was checking it out, look, looked at the link, and uh, this piece of music hit me um, what I, that I'm about to play for you. Um, it's by Napoleon the Legend, and uh, it's a quick sample uh, of his new album, Dragon Ball G. It's called Master Roshi. Guess I gotta save the day again. Reporters flock as I pull up to the main event. It's a new year. What you gonna do different? I'm a too many dudes dribbling, soup kitchen, food for thought, you do the dishes, get the game a makeover like a beautician, it's a takeover, new album, new vision, Super Saiyan 2, God mode, ruin living, cliffhangers when the episode ending, it's suspenseful, will I survive, yes or no question, Pharaoh, Gamo, yes I got the ammo, Piccolo, Damo, rocking Beskar, Mando, Rambo, Tekashi, ready for battle, a master like High Chief, Jamel Arif, got these punks sobbing like Tyrese, they wanted beef, saw the extent of my strength, all of a sudden they want peace all these stands hurting giving backhands for fan service and careers it's like comparing their eye to sam perkins you were fat i ain't a tad bit nervous you want to bet that's like asking if assassin's murder now give up the throne i'm asking you politely you got three seconds to comply before my nine squeeze feature cost pricey and that's going up you acting like you never got an ass whipping growing up sewing up the game while the name blowing up while they timid and tiptoe when we last sewing up alpha and omega rap genesis sega rap Industry worshiping pentagrams, not a fan of that. Iconic like common house, hitting with a common high. You know my collar out, the poly got the power god on my square like a polygon. Selassie Don Shenron, grant wishes you can suck my crystal balls. Napoleon the legend, Super Saiyan G. Welcome into Dragon Ball Super Dope, Napoleon the Legend. Napoleon, how are you, man? What's up, man? Ain't that the best way to start your episode right there? It's like uh, a, a Dragon Ball episode about to start. Exactly. And that's, I think, kind of what hooked me about it. I was like, oh, I, I, as I started to listen to the album, I put it on Spotify and I started texting you back like, oh, my God, you you used all the Kikuchi scores like Oh, and I started going through the rest of the album. I'm like, this is some of the most brilliant sampling of these scores for rap music I've ever heard in my life. Um, so I guess Thank we want to, we definitely want to get on to uh, what the project's about, what kind of inspired it. But for anybody that we bring on to the show, I kind of like to do like a getting to know you as a Dragon Ball fan sort of section of it. Um, so typically what I'll, I'll do is, typically what I'll look to do is kind of give some of these questions in rapid fire fashion, but uh, if you want to rapid fire fashion, but if you want to, you know, expand on uh, telling any cool stories about it, feel free. This is your time to, uh, you know, help us get to know you. Um, So how did you first find Dragon Ball and uh, around what age were you? I don't quite remember, you know, I'm not, I'm not really good with dates and ages. I, I think I must have been what, what, maybe maybe early teens, maybe like 13, 12 years old. I remember 
either I was in in Paris, France on on like a, a summer um, with the family, or in Comoros Islands, was where I'm originally from in, in East Africa, and it was it de definitely didn't come from Japan. It came from France because France had this show called Club Dorothée, where they um, they play Japanese animation for the kids once a week. And when my cousins used to talk to me about it, the cousins that were back in France, I was living in Washington, DC. I, I was born in Paris, France. Family came to Washington, DC when I was four. I was watching the Saturday morning cartoons, the regular cartoons everybody else was watching. But when they were showing me their cartoons, I just automatically found them like superior for a lot of reasons storyline, everything. So I must have been like 12, 13 years old or something like that. And I think I caught some episodes of um, Dragon Ball Z without any type of context. And it just made me look for the mangas. So when, when, when I have several times when I was going back to Paris, I would go to the store and there'll be mangas at Dragon Ball. And I started reading them. It's Cause you guys would sit there at the store for hours and just read from the first to the to, to the last. And I was able to catch some episodes here and there, have my cousins take me some episodes and things like that. And it just started from there, man. Then I just started discovering it. Wow. So you were living in Washington, Washington, DC until you were about four years old, you said? No. You moved I was there living when you were in four Paris, years old. Paris, France. That's where and you, you moved born to, in Paris, France. You moved yeah. to Washington, DC when you were four. Yeah. And then at a certain point, you moved to East Africa. Uh, how old were you? No, I, I didn't move to East Africa. Like, I would go, like, I, I went back a few times. Got it. You see, to, to visit. And that's when I would discover, like, these cartoons and these things over there. Because it was, to their states, yeah. Yeah, it was part of their culture over there before anime really, really got popping. So it was before Dragon Ball became really known in America. It just, it just started like a, probably a, a year or two later, it started like bubbling in America. But before people didn't know about it, I was already onto it. Yeah, ahead of the trend there, definitely. Um, so you said, you know, I think a lot of it had to do maybe with the storylines that had you go out and try to seek like the beginning of the manga and just try to right. fill in the rest of the gaps in between episodes. Um, right. What would you say about the story of Dragon Ball resonated with you so strongly? Well, first of all, like the the, the the one plot twist, you know, when when you realize when when he realizes when he doesn't know who he is and his origin, and then when he finds out when he grows up, I thought that was genius. You know, I I, I thought it was really cool, and um and just the fact that he was just such an innocent character, and the 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 themes of Shonen Jump, which I didn't know at the time, where it's like develop yourself. You train, you get stronger, and then it started with the tournament arcs and oh, like martial arts, special moves, like uh, special powers and things like that. Like all that, I, I got drawn drawn into the universe that that Akira Toriyama was constructing. You know, it, it was just it, it seemed so interesting. You never knew what was going to happen next. You never knew where he was going to take you with the story. And I, 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 just, I was just really drawn to it. I just love the characters, Boma, Master Roshi. Then you have uh, Oolong, you have Yamsha, you have like everything about that universe. I just fell in love with it. I, didn't, I, I, I hadn't experienced anything like it before. 
And I think you hit uh, the nail on the head for one of the things that resonates with me the most too, is what those things, uh, what are the themes that kind of come across in so many showing properties is just like constantly, you know, bringing yourself up another level, overcoming obstacles and constantly ascending and, uh, and breaking limits. Um, you know, yeah. kind of borrow a dragon ball term. Definitely. Um, what would you say is your favorite arc of dragon ball? Uh, all dragon balls or just dragon ball. Yeah, just any, if you, I mean, if you wanted to go in depth and do it series by series, I'm with you, feel free, but I mean, broadly. well, in, 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 in Dragon Ball, the first one, I kind of, I really like the second tournament with Tension Han. Yeah, underrated. Because it, it, I'm talking that like, I'm taking myself back to the, like a first time watcher. You know what I'm saying? It's just like the first tournament was great, but the second tournament was just that much that much better to me uh, because like the characters were more fleshed out and they were a little stronger and Tenshin Han was just like such a cool character, you know, with the third eye and everything like that. And they had abilities like it, it's one of the first times that I've seen characters fly, I think, was with Tenshin Han and Charles. Yeah. They were man. watching the fight and their, their feet was were levitating. And well, that's when they still watch. called it just bukujutsu. Like they didn't even call it flying, the sky dancing technique. Exactly. Yeah. And and I thought that was so cool because that, that that just blew my mind. So I like that. When it comes to Dragon Ball Z, man, it's tough. But it probably, <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably the Freezer arc. You know. Yeah. Like it. it, it I, I I really like that the the the. The, the Super Saiyan, the, the, the Saiyan arc, you know, with Nappa and Vegeta. But, you know, the, the Frieza arc was kind of cool because, um, you know, with, with the whole dynamic of they have several enemies and you didn't really know if it was Vegeta, if, if it was Frieza. It's like it, things start to get kind of blurry. And I, I like that. And that's when they started, like, to really go crazy with the power levels where, like, they built up Frieza to be, like, some unstoppable force of the universe. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's starting to get super gigantic. And, and I, I, I thought that was cool. And on Dragon Ball Super, I mean, there's, you know, the tournament arc, of course. I mean, that, uh, that, that, tournament of power? Tournament of power. I mean, that, yeah. that, that, that's the only art. I mean, I'm talking about the anime here. I, yeah. I, I, we could talk about the moral part later on, but uh, I'm talking about the anime. Okay. Uh, tournament of power, I think I, might agree with you on that like i loved how the trunks arc started but it ended so so badly in super right. that it like kind of put a sour taste in my mouth for the duration of that arc uh dragon mm. ball z i love that point about you know it kind of does get blurry like who is the biggest threat here we all think it's frieza but vegeta is also kind of playing both sides of the cards here so it's um that's a really fun arc i think frieza it depends on the day i think frieza might be my favorite arc too uh, but I am also very partial to uh, to the Saiyan arc as well. Um, right. Vegeta is one of my favorites. And just learning, like you said earlier, like learning more about Goku's origin, this kid that you just spent, you know, 150 plus episodes with as a, as a child who's now grown up to be an adult. Hey, uh, you know, a plot twist. He's a um, he's an alien, kind of like Superman kind of style stuff going on yeah. here. But explains a lot doesn't it about this mysterious yeah because he there was a quality to goku where you felt like he was kind of indestructible even as a kid i think in the early episodes he would get shot by by, by bullets yeah and he would just survive and it's without no, no no type of explanation but 
later on it makes sense. Exactly. It's like y'all, it's like he uh, planned it all along, although it's pretty uh, widely reported he did not uh, plan things pretty much at all. He just did them week to right. week. <laughs> um, so our last question for the getting to know you, and this one I'm kind of interested to, to hear uh, your opinions on because like you, you used a bunch of Dragon Ball music to make this album we're going to talk about. Uh, what is your favorite opening and ending song for Dragon Ball? Man, now you know what I, I, I love the opening from the original. The the, the um, you know I I I heard I, I listen I, I watched the series in France in French, so the, the, it's the same music, but they have lyrics that are in French. But I think that that Dragon Ball that din 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 din. Like I, I just it just Iconic. stuck in my head ever since. So I love that one. The closing, <laughs> actually, I like that. Um, I used to hate it at first, but I grew into the. To I already like know it. what you're gonna say. Yeah, the the Togi Kiri Zenkai Power. Exactly the 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 ha the aliens that that with the that smell like walnuts or something like that oh, wow man yeah exactly those uh, those are some wacky lyrics if you look at the <laughs> translations of them <laughs> that you know at first i'm like oh this is this is terrible but then as i kept hearing it i'm like i actually like it it's weird it's weird how things can happen like that it's an acquired taste for sure it is it is uh keto to bang 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 like it's the <laughs> nah, weirdest nah, nah. yeah the weirdest it's so thing. japanese man but that's probably why it resonates with us because we're just a couple weebs man <laughs> for sure for sure so let's talk about um let's talk about dragon ball g um like i said you I, do you remember how you might have come across our instagram page i was curious I, I don't remember. I just remember, I, I, I know that I was looking for a lot of hashtags to, to share with Dragon Ball fans, that Dragon Ball G uh, project, which is something I don't usually do with my like regular run-of-the-mill projects. Mm. But my whole vision was to make a bridge with hip-hop and, and anime in a way that hadn't been done before. I'm, I'm, I know for a fact some people have sampled anime music before or did that type of topic, but... I made it into a whole project, you know, like like a, a comprehensive project where I'm really merging the universe, like and, and really deliberately. So I was, I wanted to let the fans know and different things. It wasn't the first time I did it, so maybe it was that. Maybe I just seen your page through a hashtag or something like that. I'm like, you know what? Maybe it'll be something that that person, whoever you were, might appreciate hashtag research paying off in spades man because that's this album is like the only thing i've been listening to for the last three days and uh not gonna lie man um i know part of it is because you use the music so effectively and it's music that i've had in my brain since i was you know seven or eight years old say um so it's stuff that's already sort of ingrained in me so that nostalgia factors in there too but the way in which you use it uh, it effectively, quite effectively creates its own song. Um, right. So I wanted to give a couple of examples, a couple tastes of the album. I, I know we played Master Oshie at the top. I want to play my favorite song at the end of the show. Um, but I wanted to give a couple sample tastes uh, of some uh, parts of certain songs that really, you know, hit me pretty hard or um, I just think kick a tremendous amount of ass or resonated for whatever reason in that moment. 
So first one I'm going to play a clip from is uh, Broly. And I wanted to start with this one because, you know, essentially it's, it's a 13 track album. Each track is named after a character in the show and you use motifs or themes of, of that character. Right. So this Broly clip, it, when it starts off, I'm like, Ooh, that's when I was like, Oh, this is the original score here. This is nice. And then it just evolves into its own thing and drops into this kick-ass song all at once. So I wanted to start here because it's a, a good, um, I, I feel like a level point for what people can expect for the rest of the album. Big bank, take little bank. I cause a big bank, smack a ghost rider in your think tank. We got a flank, reach your flank with a big shank. Got another banger in the tank. Give thanks, I'm doing big things. Fucking the budget up. Rock a dashiki and a meaning, fuck a button up. You know for showing your ass, I'm known for cutting up. Emotional ass thugs, y'all need to toughen up. Black Ops Regiment, weapons in the arsenal. Bombs, AKs, take you straight to the hospital. DOA, got a sniper named Mamadou. Usman, Abdul, Ebu, Muhammad too. Murders and nothing burger, nothing impossible. If money running low, lock and load, do a job or two. So it starts off with that theme, and I'm like, oh my god, this is from the Broly movie. And then boom, I instantly want to whoop someone's ass. Yeah, um, very, very aggressive. Absolutely. Uh aggressive is the perfect word for it, just like Broly. So talk to me about um. I guess, you know, what gave you the idea for this? I know you said uh, you touched on a little bit. You wanted to merge anime and hip hop a little bit more clearly with a project like this. But what inspired you to do it when you did it? Uh, What made you pick Dragon Ball? I mean, uh, talk to me about the process from how it started through how people are reacting to it. Well, I'm a a Japanese anime fan. You know, Dragon Ball happens to be one of my favorites, but I also have others. You know, I I really love... um, Hakuto no Ken, which is Fist of the North Star. And I love Saint Seiya also. So I always, I got into music as I got into music and I would rewatch these cartoons, these animes, I, I realized how much the music was so inter, integral to the whole experience. I didn't realize that when I was younger. And it hit me like, these guys are geniuses. Like the scores are great. And they, a lot better than these like pseudo, I don't know, rock and roll type scores that they had in the the, the, the American versions. With I don't, I, you just made a lot of enemies, NDO. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, I, I watched the original, and then when I watched the, the American ones, I'm just like it, that. It, is, it, that aesthetic without the soundtrack, man. You're right. It's you don't realize how important it is to your experience when you first take it in. But exactly. on the flip side of that too, I'm sure the kids who watched it in English when it first premiered on Cartoon Network feel the exact same way. So when they right. hear that Kikuchi score. They're like, right. what the hell is this? I'm on your side with this. I watched a lot of the Japanese stuff growing up. So, you know, what's funny is that like when I was listening to in French, they kept the Japanese score wisely. I, they did I, the same stuff with all the stuff they brought over in the 70s and 80s, too. Thank God. And I don't I don't understand why the Americans like flipped that, because I thought it was perfectly fitting to what it was. These guys are geniuses when it comes to music and tone and everything like that. So I just. I I wasn't really producing that much. I was just rapping, you know. I, I would have producers produce for me and stuff like that. And I would ask them. I had the ideas, and I would tell them I want to take some of these anime um, samples and, and make hip hop songs with them. 
But every time they would send me back the beat, since they weren't really an anime fan, they would like chop it up crazy. And I'm like, yo, you're killing the essence of it. It has yeah. to be pristine. The point of it is for the person who likes to anime, instantly recognize it and, and, and work around the sample. Like you can't you, you can't mess mess around with the sample. That's the sacred part. And so I had to do it to execute it myself. So I did it. The first project was with Saint Seiya, which the music is crazy with uh, Seiji Yokohama. And that did real good for me. I did Okuto no Ken. And in the back of my head, at the beginning, I wanted to do Dragon Ball, but I'm like, I'm not gonna start with Dragon Ball because Dragon Ball is more popular than both of these other ones. So let me just get my feet wet, so to speak, with this Saint Seiya stuff. Certain people know in different parts of the world, but not necessarily America. Most of, most of the people that know about me are here. And I'm like, and I'm, I'm gonna hit them with uh, Dragon Ball, which I was more prepared. I had the, the CDs done. I pressed the vinyl, which I didn't for the other ones, which I might do later on because, and it, it was just, um, as soon as people, I think they were primed for it because as soon as I released it, the vinyl sold out in less than 24 hours. Wow. And like all the, yeah, I never had that before. Like my own, actually it's the first time I pressed up my own vinyl. And pressing vinyl is pretty expensive. So yeah. it, it was a, a chance I had to take. Sold out in less than 24 hours. The CD sold out and you know, pe people ended up loving it. And, and the key to it was to really do these samples justice and not, not really, that 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 part of the creation, I, ha I had to let it shine, and then I had to just compliment it with the words, and they were emotional, so they triggered the rhymes. It wasn't about rhyming, about because I, I think people get the misconception with these projects that you have to be a fan of the anime. You don't. This is this is like my personal life or my personal emotions that I'm talking about. I'm just using that music as a vehicle. A hundred percent. And I think you, you hit a couple of things there that I, I think really made sense with, with, for me, uh, with this project was that you do a really effective job in keeping those, like you said, the samples intact, because those are the things that for somebody like me, you know, essentially that was like the motivator to go check you out in the first place. Um, and you could, you know, easily, very easily with production, go overboard and overdo it for the sake of, quote unquote, making it your own. Um, so it's a fine line you had to walk and I think you nailed it with this stuff. But the other part of it is too, um, I interviewed, I, I, I had a similar thing happen with, um, you know, meeting a guy who worked on a project. Uh, his name is Mark Cooper. He's a nerdcore rapper out of Detroit. Um, he reached out to me similar circumstances because he had a song called Super Saiyan. And mm brought him on we talked about it now he's a nerdcore rapper so whenever he makes a song it's you know 80 percent about that topic specifically so with super saiyan it's cool it's awesome if you know dragon ball and you can really appreciate all the verses and everything that he, and all the hard work he put into those dragon ball references but if you don't like dragon ball it's you know it's still a good song but the effort and time and, and detail is kind of lost on the listener with your stuff, I can listen to it from a musical perspective and still appreciate, you know, how much care and effort you put into the, the music. But I could also show it to literally anyone because while you do have some really cool Dragon Ball lines in there, the majority of it is just what you typically write lyrics about. 
And, and, and the Dragon Ball lines are like Easter eggs for me. It, it, it's like, just so like, okay, those that know, they know. And I, I, I put, put them there on, on purpose. However, like, like I said, I, I didn't, I, I was really, that's where I, I wanted to merge the hip hop in a way where it's like, I'm still talking about my reality and rapping the way I rap because I, I put out a lot of music. So it's just my, my fan base who already knows me, they could appreciate that without having to appreciate the anime necessarily. But at the same time, I'm paying homage to, um, to the to the creators, you know, to, to, to the creators of the anime, to Akira Toriyama, to, 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 to the music school and everything else. You had sent me the link to the to the album. I'd listened to it a few times through. And then a couple of weeks later, I had like a Spotify suggested playlist pop up. And I'm listening to it, like washing my dishes or whatever. And uh, this next song starts in my headphones. I'm like, what the? Hey, I know what this is. <laughs> And it's it's the theme from the Bardock movie or the Bardock OVA. Right, right. Um, but I, I wanted to, it's another perfect example of what we're talking about here of how it's familiar enough for, to like spark a memory for me and be like, oh, wait, this is, what is this? And it gave me the chills for a sec. And then it just evolves or, you know, morphs into this other thing with this awesome hook. I think this is one of my favorite hooks on the album for what it's worth. Thank you. You think I'm lying ahead, call my bluff. I gave y'all ideas, now I want my cut. I'm all tapped out, I don't give one fuck. When it's time to put that pain in, they know what's up. Unless it's the facts, I never say nothing. That horn comes in. To say my name buzzing. Beautiful. Napoleon, a legend, it's a better than your brain now. My name in bright lights, but I'm about to make it rain now. Took me a little while, but I think I found my lane now. The people showing love, so I'm bringing the pain now. Got the entire world welcoming my brainchild. Those who distant doubted me, now seeing the same smile. Gigantic goals, yo. I see shit in slow-mo. Moving so fast, I'm about to make it snow, bro. See the vision, already saw it from a distance. Peep the mission, I took the path for least resistance. No cliche. Grinded and opened up a pathway. They want to get what I got, but they did it halfway. Magna cum laude, even the legends apply me. Perfect harmony between the mind, soul, and body. Napoleon, the head called my bluff. So, like I said, for what it's worth, I think that's probably my favorite hook on the album. It gets stuck in my head all of the time. But I think the my favorite like second worth of me sometimes me and my friends because you know we've all played in bands we're all a bunch of guitar players who you know right. whatever the fuck but we uh sometimes we'll talk about albums and be like my favorite second on that album is this part where these harmony guitar lines come in that second for me on this album is when right. that horn line comes in Thank so you. beautiful man you, you know you, what people don't know is some of these tracks it's actually not the same sample, but it's all from Dragon Ball. And it, there's even one track, Android 16, where I take something from Dragon Ball, but the uh, the part that comes from the hook and the sample comes from Dragon Ball GT. And they have, you know, I had to make them in the same key and everything. So there's, there's a lot more work. It seems very seamless, but there's a lot more work that people might see it the first thing. What that, Those were two separate samples from different things that I, I put together and they just fit. Yeah, so like the string part. Dun, 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 that's that's one the thing. thing. And then the horn line is from... Dun, 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 I can't think of what like moment that would be though off the top of my head. Because um, I did do exactly that last night. 
right. went through and I'm like, let me see if I can figure out which tracks these were. And it led me down the rabbit hole of uh, 190 plus YouTube video playlist of Kikuchi tracks. <laughs> right, right. But what I was I was listening to all of them just to catch these little moments. It's the same thing for Perfect Cell. I took one part and another part because there has there's parts of the soundtrack where they're almost the same, but they're not, and they come at different times. Mm. And and so and so I blended a lot of things kind of seamlessly. They don't, they seem like they're just one whole sample, but they're not. I think you did some good job. Uh, you, you did a good job using like some actual clips from the show when it kind of like a song um, either transitions in or transitions out. Right. Um, good. There's a good uh, use of Frieza on the song, Frieza. Yeah. Um, I want to play a clip from that one. That's another one I think of my favorite tunes on the there's a 13 track album i feel like i'm saying every one is my favorite tune but i did manage to boil it down to five today so uh, i want to play uh this clip from frieza but it does feature your friend uh nejma nefertiti did i say that right yes nejma nefertiti shout out to her one of just an awesome rapper hey yo Talk to me nice before Paul or Queen Pharaoh off you right. You can try all your life. You never touch us. One two punch feels like it's seven of us. Hey, talk to me nice before Paul or Queen Pharaoh off yeah. you right. This huh. You can try all, all your time. life. You'll never touch us. One two punch feels like it's yeah. seven of when us. When I was born, lights appeared, birds and flying spears made your fears bite like flight fears. If your life was spared, you lucked out. Your whole team knocked the fuck out. I missed the best like a sore thumb. I stuck out. Broke now, me gotta look far apart. I cook raw, booking bras that are book smart par. Treating rap like football, demolishing lines. You feeling rough? I gotta raise it, that'll polish your mind. Dress down, fuck your little brand name gadgets. Platinum on the streets, so my last name classic. Cornball rappers is dead. We straight dragging your head down the block till the avenue red. Straight psychic, shit happens after it's set. Straight savage, ain't no talking after the set. Just imagine, somebody better gotta be dead. Is you dumb? You better get your psychology checked, motherfucker. One two punch feels like the seven of us. Like that's the coolest fucking line to end that on. <laughs> so nice. Yo, we had I had so much fun doing this project. You have no idea, man. The blast. Um, so I feel like we've kind of I don't want to give too too much of the album away because I do want people to go check it out. I know that we're all out of physical copies right now, but uh, you can go check it out on Bandcamp, um, down, download the digital copy in the meantime. But the the vinyl presentation, man, if you do another run of those, you know, let me know. And we can let people know because those were very impressive. Right. I think I saw you share on your story some dude like taking a picture with a few of them uh, yesterday or the day before. Yeah. Um, people love yeah, it. Yeah, uh, my boy DJ Thurwell, Thurwell from Chicago, he he cops every vinyl that, that I think he has everything that I have. And he happened to, to get... Um, the, the, the Dragon Ball, because they went quick. Like some people slept on it. You know, even, like till this day, almost every week I get people asking me for them. And I'm like, yo, they're long gone. So I, I, I know I'm eventually going to um, to probably do another run at them. I don't know when and how, but uh, I'm, I stay busy making music. So it's not really, um, I'm an independent artist. It's not like I have like a whole like, record label like this was me pressing it and putting everything together eventually i have a, i'll make another run for it probably do more i probably i probably should have pressed up a, l a little bit more but i didn't know what to expect since it was the first time 
No, that makes sense, though. But now you know that there's such a demand for it and that it can go so quickly. You know what I would do if I were you? Kickstart it, pre-order it, pre-order, all that stuff. So that way, you know, the demand's already there. You already have all the stuff in terms of like templated out. You know how to send it. Tweak it a little bit to make it like an exclusive Kickstarter version. Charge another 10 bucks and boom. Well, if I do repress it, I, you know, it, I, I have a lot of ideas. I, I could change a few tracks. You know, I could, I, I, I could, I could make it exclusive. I could, I could tweak little things on it. So it's like that pressing. If you got the first pressing, that's you. Yeah. But, but that next pressing is also gonna be exclusive, and it's, it's in, a, in its own right. If you got the first run, cool. Now you got a reason by the second run as well. Yeah. But so- it was crazy. Like, like I, I, I was just, you know like sending all this like my crib was like a warehouse man i was like packaging things sending i was like wow this is this is a lot of work because usually it's other labels that press up my stuff so they take care of that part but like just like having to fulfill all these orders it was really experience for me Hmm. how many were in the first run I think it was about 150 or something like that. It wasn't that many. It wasn't it's that many. Still a pain but... in the ass, though. 150 Yo. individual packages that have to mail out. Yeah, Dude, I couldn't even do 10 a, a couple of years ago for like a couple of our listeners. I was like 10 of you guys. Jesus, I think I got to eight people. <laughs> and then, and then, like, there's people buying. They, they, I also, I, I did like 200 CDs, so it's like there was CD orders, and then people order other stuff that I had. So it was just like for a few weeks of my life, I felt like I was like working at an Amazon warehouse or something, man. Right. For <laughs> a post cool, office though. worker. <laughs> yeah. It was it was an experience, but it it felt good to know like, damn, I'm sending this everywhere around the world. Like, you know, every like every continent, you know, and, and it was just like it was exciting. Hell yeah. I love it, man. If you do another uh, physical run, you let me know because I want to grab one, but also I want to let our people who, like, I'm hopeful that today, after today, a few of us, so a few of our listeners will go check you out on Bandcamp and download stuff, uh, streamed on Spotify as well. But I mean, that vinyl was really good looking, dude. Um, What I wanted to do, though, are you keeping up with the, uh, the manga month to month for the moral arc and all that stuff? I'm like, I'm, 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 you know, I'm so curious. I, I didn't really want to read it because I wanted to wait for the anime to come out. But I, I, I am, I, I'm, I kind of know the story, you know, more or less the outline of the story without going deep into it because I can't stop just uh, going on YouTube with some YouTubers covering it and then going on Reddit where some people are posting the actual manga. So yeah, yeah I, I am more or less keeping up. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird story. It started off different enough, but. They were pretty quick to lean into some shades of Namek, which I was a fan of, you know, bringing right. that intergalactic space travel stuff, bringing the Namekians back in, space right. jail, a lot of interesting stuff going on. But by the end of it, I just had a giant goat man who possessed the earth and a giant Goku who fought back against him like it was a fucking Megazord or something. I, I don't know, man. <laughs> Yo, that, I, I, I'd, lo- I'd love to I, I'd love to see how they um, how it would translate to to anime yeah so that's right i mean in terms of how the anime ended you said tournament of power was your favorite arc um what what would what about the tournament of power would you say made it your favorite i mean it was like appointment viewing every week and it was also like a way to you know draw out as many episodes as they could over the course of 48 minutes in the canon timeline of dragon ball (laughs) Yeah, that, um, I mean, that's in typical Japanese fashion, you know, like, like you, you, you watch a sports anime and like one, one slam dunk 
it yeah. could take five minutes to, to set up, you know, and, and I love that about it because it's so surreal and, and the way they could stretch time. It, it, it's so cool. And, and average people who are not into that would think like, this is, this doesn't make any sense, but you understand that in an anime world, like it, there's a lot of ridiculousness and, and, but it, but I love it. But I, I just like the fact that it got, it, they found a way to make it, once again, bigger than life, because it was just like universes battling universes. And the fact that there were so many new characters and just not knowing who was gonna pop up from each universe, what, what type of powers do they have? What type of world do they have in this universe? I just thought it was like very interesting, like the many ways where they could go with it. You know what I'm saying? So. I kind of, uh, I, I enjoyed that part. I, I felt entertained by it. I, I wanted to see what, what was going to happen next. And, and also, who was going to win? Who was going to get eliminated? Like, it, 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 to me, I, I thought that whole dynamic was exciting. And who was fighting? Like, Master Roshi was fighting. It's like, wow, they made him a, a combatant again? Like, I thought he was he was done with as a character, you know? And, and, and like, little things like that excited me. I think you hit a few different things that... Because um, we started our podcast around episode 100-ish of Dragon Ball Super. Okay. There's 131 episodes. So we obviously picked the worst goddamn time to start. I digress. I think we managed to find an audience early on when we started, though, because of, you know, so many different things changing week to week. So many new things to speculate on, uh, to wonder about. And at the time, my biggest thing was oh man, we're about to get Dragon Ball for like the next 25 years. Who knows? They've just fast-tracked, built this universe so quickly by giving us these 12, 11 other universes and showing us the 10 strongest fighters of those universes. We've got an infinite amount of stories that we could go explore from now on. And then I think it was around episode 115, 116, maybe closer to 120, they announced that super was going to be coming to an end. And I was like, what the fuck did we just do this for? I feel very cheated right now. Right. Right. Um, right. Cause we got, we have to wait, you know what I'm saying? And, and it's like, yeah, it's the yeah. worst. Yeah. No, nah, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not happy that it's taking so long for them to come back. You know what I mean? Like I know that, and I know that they're develop, de developing the whole moral thing, but I, I, I wanted, I wanted more, you know, I did want more. So what I think it kind of made sense for them to do what they did, put the kibosh on the anime because it was notoriously, you know, the production schedule was a nightmare. So they'd said, you know, us trying to storyboard things with, you know, four to six weeks and then animate them, turn them around. It's just resulting in lower quality, even though by the time Tournament of Power had rolled around, things a lot of the time looked much better than they did in the early days of Dragon Ball Super. Um, yeah, Dragon Ball Super. I mean, some episode of those episodes, five, so, man. Ugh. I mean, the, the 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 animation during the Ultra Instinct uh, parts were like really, really well done. Like some of the best that I, you know, that that I've seen. Well, episode, I think it's one oh nine and one ten. It's the first fight where he has against Jiren. Whew, man, I still get goosebumps thinking about that night and the reactions we had to that fight. Yeah, that was um, crazy. It was good stuff, man. So it made sense for them to, you know. I guess, you know, try to give themselves some buffer in terms of a story. You get the Broly movie. I'm like, all right, you're going to know that they're probably going to try to translate that into an anime, maybe. 
And then the comic eventually catches up, retcons a lot of things uh, that the anime did. I have to assume when the, the anime comes back, it will be following the events of the manga time. I don't, I don't know how that's going to work out, honestly. But I feel like they've built them. Now that we've got the Broly movie, which I'm sure they could chunk out into five to ten episodes if they really wanted, like they did with Battle of Gods and Fukatsu no F. Um, and now we've got a full moral arc. I understand COVID's probably a factor, but like, what's the hold up, man? At least give me some kind of announcement. Let me know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, please. <laughs> I mean, why would COVID be such a factor when with animation? Like, I understand making movies, you know, because you have actual actors who have to meet. Like, with everybody doing their work, like, I guess from home, I, I mean, it's harder to coordinate, probably. Yeah, I would assume that it has stuff to do with like what you have access to in terms of equipment. So if I was a, a, an animator, I assume that my company would provide me with things that I might not have readily available in my home. But who knows? I, I don't really know what that like, for all I know that all they could need is a fucking tablet. Like I don't, right, I don't know right. what, what that life looks like. You just get you just you just uh, gave me uh, something that I, I wanted to, to speak on when it comes to anime and manga. Yeah. I I love I love Japanese animation. I love Japanese culture. I love Japanese manga, and I, I really feel some sort of uh, I could relate to the to the manga writers, like Akira Toriyama, like Oda who re, uh, writes One Piece. The 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 guy forget his name uh, who who does Saint Seiya. It's just such a tough job where you have to churn out stories. And I'm I make I'm I make a lot of music. I'm, I'm probably I'm up there with some of the most prolific like MCs that you'll see because I, I have a I, lot of I projects. Watched, I watched that interview you did with Sway a couple of years ago. You did like ten projects that year. Like what yeah. the fuck? Yeah, I mean I didn't even plan it. It just happened like that. Like I just make a lot of music, and then some labels might put something out, and I'm doing my own mixtapes, my own albums, and some other people might commission me to do EPs. And it just that year, just things kept dropping. And then, but even I did 10 that year, the year after I did probably six. Last year, I did six, you know what I mean? And, and it's like, it's, I'm still working on a lot. And I kind of feel, I could relate to the, the, the guys that do manga, like, like Akira Toriyama, because it's a sacrifice. It's like, you're not doing what everybody else is doing. You need, I don't think he has time to go clubbing or to do this or to do that. Like he's waking up, coming out, you know, coming out with his story, drawing his story, doing this and that. And I feel like, I kind of feel like that when it comes to making raps and making music, because I'm constantly making beats or listening to beats, writing, coming up with concepts, recording. And their work ethic, I'm really amazed by it. And I feel like it inspires me to take that type of, that thing on where it's like I have the my projects to me is just like I'm, I'm like doing a giant mosaic of project where I'm I'm, I'm writing my life I'm writing certain things in, in, into it and I, I feel like the, 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 the manga writers are kind of like what I look I look to be you know it's like to me they're like the modern day samurais we're, we're like going to battle every day trying to get our name known because the samurais back in Japan they they they'll run around and 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 fight all day, 
Uh, and just to get their name known and to, to build their kingdom. And the, the guys in the manga are building a universe. I'm building my Sonic universe in the same way. So I feel it's the same thing. We're just in different parts of, of the world and different times. That's pretty beautiful, man. I've never really thought about that relationship uh, with, you know, I guess you could really do it with any kind of, you know, creative work. I don't think people be like, you're a good example. Toriyama is a good example. The things that you do and the way in which they are presented at times, they just seem effortless. But the only reason they're able to seem effortless is because of all the time and practice and dedication you have to put into your respective crafts. And people don't see, you know, that time that you put in on the other side, they just see the final product. Um, but I, I guess I've never really equated a mangaka to, you know, what that looks like in terms of what their day to day would look like. So it's an interesting like, perspective. It's man. crazy. Like I heard like Akira Toriyama sacrificed a lot of things. I heard Oda, like he didn't have a life. He, he doesn't sleep that much. You know, the guy who creates One Piece, which is at like 900 plus episodes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, it, it's really, it's really a sacrifice. It takes a lot of work. And then you're thinking about the animation. I didn't, when, when we were watching it, when we were young, we didn't realize how costly it was, how much time and effort it took to, for us to watch these 20 minute episodes, how much work was put into it. So, and you're talking about the drawing, the story, the voices, the music, putting all that together, making it flow, animating it. It's, uh, it's highly intensive and I, it's music is the same way. And, and I do, I do a lot on my own. Like I produce my, my stuff. I record myself. I do a lot of, you know, that project, if there's a project, those anime projects that I've done, I, I do them from A to Z. I produce everything. I mix, I master I do the artwork, I do all that. You know, I press the vinyl, I press the CD. So you really, it's like, I feel like I'm a manga guy because they, they, they put all these things together most more or less on their own, you know, when it comes to the manga. Love that, man. In terms of um, what you're hoping for the future, I don't know if we're gonna call it either, either in, the, in the way of manga or the way of anime, but your hopes for the future of Dragon Ball Super, uh, whether that be potential return date, maybe stories you'd like to see them do, directions you'd like to see them work towards. Uh, what are your thoughts, man? I would love, um, I, I, would, I would definitely love to see like the, the whole moral arc and I, I want them to, to keep going with Dragon Ball Super. I will hope this year we could get something because I, I don't want to wait another year yeah. without without any Dragon Ball. Me like, either. As a guy who makes a podcast that was built around a weekly a Dragon Ball episode coming out, I can't wait another year either. <laughs> right. And, 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 and I would love also, done well, like you said, explore, explore some other facets of the universe. Like the universe is so vast right now. There could be so many interesting stories where you could still use some of the characters and like I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind having like a an offshoot of Dragon Ball where it, which focuses on Piccolo and probably him going to another universe or something like that. Like characters that everybody loves that we didn't feel had their potential. So it's like when you watch Mandalorian, you before you knew the story, you thought you know it was gonna be. I thought it was gonna be the story of Boba Fett, mm. but like. He and he ended up being in, but what about something like that with Piccolo, for example, or you know, 
you just brought up the most perfect example. I was talking with my buddy Reese about it the other day with Piccolo and the Mechians just being like naturally hundreds and hundreds of years old. Piccolo would be like the perfect vehicle to do a, a Dragon Ball, like a reboot or like a Dragon Ball, a few hundred years in the future. And right. he's like the only guy who has the memories of, you know, all these past events, these big universal level events that happened through the story of Goku, Vegeta and the rest of the gang. And now he's the guy who's training the next, uh, you know, cast of warriors or whatever. Um, it's like the easiest thing to cr- try to justify. And they're just like, no, nah, that's, we need Goku. <laughs> You're not, no, nah, I get it. And it's like, even, even that, like, I feel like the sayings, they're so vital, but I think their role got a bit too big in the whole series. And even, even when their powers and I kind of liked it more when even somebody like Tenshin Han that was left by the wayside, I wish they could have kept up with everybody else one way or the other, instead of just being like more, made obsolete almost power wise well uh, i think maybe they're working toward that kind of idea at least i hope like one yeah. of the things i talk about on the podcast a lot is um the the very evident um ambition or move toward trying to expand the circle around goku and vegeta because it has become you know the saiyan show um right. you know you throw broly in there all right now you got three saiyans and then you throw Frieza. He's kind of like a anti-hero type now. You have a guy like Jiren. You have any number of other characters that were introduced in the Tournament of Power. You know, Saiyans from Universe 6, uh, Hit. Um, and then you have like that recruitment arc wherein everyone is suddenly like, yeah, Goku, I'll go train. Uh, excuse me, I'll go with you to the Tournament of Power, but I feel worthless because I haven't trained enough. And then they have to like, you know, prove themselves or whatever suddenly krillin's quote unquote on the level with a super saiyan blue goku because they went and found a a fern in the forest or some shit um i think hopefully that's what they're working toward is to make it more of a bigger cast focused um one thing that i think the moral arc did extremely well and it did remind me a little bit of one of my favorite parts of the uh no f the revival of frieza movie is when all the Frieza force comes down and Goku and Vegeta aren't around. So Gohan, Piccolo, you know, whoever, they have to be the ones to step up and try to hold and spare for time. That's a lot of fun. In the moral arc, similar kind of circumstances, a bunch of space criminals bust out of space jail. So now (laughs) the guys have to go help uh, round them up. Um, Or bringing that cast back into the main story as, you know, just so that way they're not like, people reacting on the periphery of this of the fight anymore that's what i hope we continue to work towards even though vegeta and goku are like my favorites duh um i want everyone involved dragon ball is a group uh anime to me it's not just about one or or, you know a handful of characters i totally agree you know and 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 and, you know like i i like to ask you like I, how, how do you feel? Because I know it's divided online when I watch things. I'm actually, I'll say it outright. I'm, I actually I actually enjoy Dragon Ball GT. Hell yeah, I do too, dude. I don't give a shit. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I know, I, I, I know I, to skip the first 22 episodes, roughly. Right. After right. that, it gets a lot better. No, yeah, I know. Like the, the, the beginning, now I agree. The beginning is a little bit like that, that whole journey for the Dragon Balls. Like it gets a little bit boring to me. But 
I like what they try to do there because they took a, a bit of a different take and actually involved other characters in different ways. And they were creative story-wise where I like seeing Goten fight. I like I like seeing these people involved. Like I think the, the involvement of the characters in different ways, Oob like popping up and, 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 and you know, doing some work and stuff like that. I, I enjoyed that part. And, and I think that it's it's missing in, in, in Dragon Ball Super. Like one of the best parts, I was excited, like in the Tournament of Power, I love Hit. I was excited to see Hit go against Jiren. It was just like, how's that gonna work? You know what I'm saying? And yeah. like things like that, you know, it, it, it's, I, 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 I wanna see more of that. You know, I wanna see, I hope they could bring back Jiren. You know, I wanna see Jiren do other things and, and like interact with the characters in certain ways and probably get into fights with different characters and stuff like that or probably create a relationship with certain ones have you watched uh any of those super dragon ball heroes shorts i never watched those i'm scared to watch them actually that's understandable they're pretty they're pretty bad most of the time but <laughs> you watched them ah uh, dude yeah I, of course i do <laughs> okay is um, it what is it even worth me watching them i'm all right. So long as you go in with the understanding that these are promotional shorts that are meant to help sell a video game arcade system in Japan, kids go out, buy like cards at the store that they can use to fight each other at the arcade. So what they do is, is they excel, they do a, a pretty good job of bringing in like really super weird, obscure Dragon Ball characters, not like even ones within the canon, but like ones borrowed from random one-off video games. Um, but so long as you go in with the understanding that this doesn't mean anything, it's just meant to sell video game tokens or whatever. Um, and it's just kind of cool to see some of these characters go at each other's throats for pretty much no reason at all. Um, but Jiren does show up and helps. Yeah. He like helps Goku and Goku because there's two Gokus and there's two Vegetas. You get the, the Xeno Goku, which is basically, um, the Goku who can still turn Super Saiyan 4. And then okay. he hangs out and, you know, kicks ass with Dragon Ball Super Goku, who goes Super Saiyan Blue instead. Um, okay. A version of that for Vegeta. It's um, it's pretty terrible, but it's fun. <laughs> I should check it out. I, I, I was always scared to watch these things because I know it's not really canon. So I'm just like, uh. Yeah, don't let the canon non-canon bother you. Just, you yeah. know. Um, what I will say about Super Dragon Ball Heroes, the music's actually pretty good. <laughs> okay, okay. It's a little bit more digitized because, uh, yeah. you know, it's not the stuff that we're talking about and stuff to, that you know, Kuchi arranged, but it's a little bit more Dragon Ball Super E. I don't know if that's a... Yeah. Maybe you know what I mean by that. I can't tell, but... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know, like... Anime, that's why the, the animes that I'm doing uh, into hip hop projects are tend to be older ones because music back then was a little bit more orchestral. Absolutely. And, and now like the music is a little bit more poppy and it's a little bit more thin. The texture of the music itself is a little different. And I'm kind of drawn to the older style of the music, the way they were doing it uh, at, at, back then. So there's two i mean this is just me selfishly i think putting in a, a request maybe but um you ever watch the show ronma one half i know about it but i've never watched it 
so listener, uh, basically the premise is 16 year old martial artist, uh, gets promised to some girl, uh, by his father to be engaged to take on the martial arts training hall, of the Tendo dojo. However, he recently fell into a cursed spring wherein now when he gets splashed by cold water, he turns into a girl. And then when he gets splashed with hot water, he turns back into a boy. Hijinks ensues. Um, that has some of the most beautiful um, background music uh, OST I've ever heard in my life. Um, wow. But I think if for you, it would probably be like, you need to have an investment in that series. For me, that's a series. Like if I had but to- it's, it's both though. I, I would love to check it out because th- believe it or not, some series, yeah, their soundtrack, it just doesn't hit me the same way. You know what I'm saying? It's just, but I, I, I'm really, I'm interested. I'm actually going to go listen to it. Just the music first, even before listening to the thing, which is the first. I, I have a couple of suggestions, actually, for yeah. tracks to start you off with. So I'll send you some links to that. Um, right. Actually, I'm really excited. The other one is, um, you ever watch fucking Japanese Spider-Man? No. Nah. 1978. Wow. Marvel okay. Marvel and Toei. Uh Toei who you know makes Dragon Ball. They come up with this arrangement, borrow each other's characters. It results in a Japanese Spider-Man show. Uh he's not Peter Parker. He's Tetsuya Yamashiro, I want to say his name is. Right. And he's a uh dirt bike rider, motorcycle racer. Uh he's got a race car. Um, he's got a giant robot, got a flying plane, kicks ass. Um, that though, a lot of that score reminds me a ton of the Kikuchi score. Um, I can't remember who did it off the top of my head. Watanabe, I want to say Michael Watanabe, but Michael is like his Americanized name. Can't remember the credit name that it's under. Anyway, that is one of my favorite soundtracks that I delved deep into earlier this year. Um, I don't know how well you can see that, but eccentric sounds of spider-man oh wow yeah i gotta check that out too i got all the files for it on a flack folder i did an album uh this year i put out an album called shikara which means um strength in japanese and it's just the kanji is the art of the album and it was with a italian producer who was actually a fan of my anime projects oh nice he collects all vinyl of Japanese soundtracks for old shows, animes, all that. And he, you know, he used to buy all my projects. And then one day he's like, yo, let me, you know, I I, I, I collect all these. And I was like, yo, this is amazing. And he also makes beats and his beats were orchestral and they sounded like anime, but I don't even know where they were from, from different things. And we did a whole album together called Chikara. So it's all Japanese samples. That's awesome. I yeah. want to listen to that like right away. Yeah, you should check that out. It's very, it's very colorful. It's very, yeah, it's, it seems like an anime project. I just don't know where he got them from, but he already had all those beats made. So it was just like, oh man, this is a slam dunk for me. I just got to rap. That's awesome. Yeah. Kara, is that one on Spotify too? Yeah, everything. Cool, man. You should definitely check it out, man. Definitely. Um, all right. So we got some hopes for the future of Dragon Ball. Um, I definitely put in my, you know, my two cents on which project you should work on next. Um, so those are my hopes. Terms of hopes for uh, the future of America. So I, I've avoided talking about it to this point in the conversation, uh, not on purpose. It's just kind of worked out that way. But 
when you first reached out to me, I went and looked through your Instagram page and there was a video clip of you um, on a, I'll just say the Nomiki Konst show on YouTube. Um, for those who are unfamiliar with Nomiki or Nomi, um, I'm familiar with her because she is a recurring you know, panelist on Sam Cedar's Majority Report on YouTube. Uh, I'm a super dirty liberal, and I think the audience is very well aware of that. But when I saw that you were a regular on Nomi show, I automatically knew that there were a million things outside of Dragon Ball that I would have loved to talk to you about. Um, I was hoping maybe we'd talk post-election, which, you know, we are, but I was hoping it'd be a little earlier. I, I kind of worked out to be this weekend, you know, just after an armed insurrection and attempted coup d'etat of the American government. Um, I don't know, man. It's been a like the last couple of days, it's been nice to have this interview to focus on for me and have your music in my ears and get my mind off of the news. Cause I, I definitely, I, I get a little too invested. I know I got to fucking turn it off a little bit more. So it's been nice to have something to work on for the last two days. But the thing that I keep asking myself when I am just sitting there paralyzed by the goddamn news and these horrible fucking clips of people losing their lives last week. The question I keep asking myself is like, how do we, how do we come back from something like this? And it, that's a question that I think I've been continually asking myself as the, uh, you know, parameters of what's acceptable behavior by right-wingers has been pushed and pushed and pushed over the last five years. But like last week, these people literally tried to overthrow the fucking government. And for anybody to say anything less, it, you're misinformed. You're, you know, give your, I, I don't know. Drinking a Kool-Aid. That's one way to put it, man. Um, like literally some people did the, the figurative drinking the Kool-Aid last week and fucking died for this guy. What do you think... I, I know a lot of politicians, you know, um, go to line is peace and unity, and this is a time for healing. And we don't, and Republicans, obviously, we don't want to impeach. It's just going to be further divisive. What do you think, man? What do you think we do to try to get back, uh, you know, come back and from this, something like this? What do you do in terms of like actionable steps to not only hold these people accountable, but like kind of get back to where we used to be? Or, or, or where we want to be again? Oh man, it's it's. it's I mean, we ha we have to impeach. It, I mean, something has to be done to help hold people into account. And looking at what happened, um, we'll we'll see what what comes out. But I, I I believe armed enforcement. Some some factions of armed enforcement were involved in it because there's no way you could just walk into that building like that without getting mowed down, a shot, or something like that. So. I think we're gonna find out like very probably disturbing information in the next weeks to come about what ha what happened uh, because there's a lot that we don't know yet. I think I think that I like to stay optimistic, and it's hard with all that's going on because the country is just torn in pieces. Like what's going on? Like it's like the damage has been done. America's been damaged. So America right now has to rebuild and it's not by peace and unity and bipartisanship. Actually, it's this happened because the 
I mean, the right and, and the Republican Party let it happen. Like all of these, uh, all of these, look, 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 all of these people on, on these channels like Fox News, Newsmax and all that, right? Who were talking about election being rigged and this and that. They're not talking about that anymore. All of a sudden, after this, this attempted coup d'etat, why do you guys stop talking about it if you were so adamantly convinced that it was stolen? It was just your talking point for the week. And it reminds me of like two, two years ago when all they would talk about was this caravan of immigrants from Mexico or from Latin America that would come invade and get us sick. Now everybody's sick anyways, which is ironic, but and do all types of crazy things and rape our women and steal our stuff. And then right after the election, that caravan was nowhere to be found and not mentioned ever again. Anything to get you riled up to vote for the right wingers in a midterm, right? I mean, and, and, and I think what needs to be done is, is hold all these people accountable. And I think this should be used as, uh, as a reminder that, look, we're in a deep crisis and we have to give, uh, I mean, you know me, I'm, I'm about giving material benefits to the people. Like, I, I think I'm one where I think uh, universal uh, health care should be a right, things like that. All this stuff has to be pushed now. And also, like, fascism had to be, has to be addressed. Like, we have to, they, they have to, we have to tie what happened to these people. They cannot reinvent themselves out there, rebrand themselves as goody two shoes or yeah, oh, these people were Antifa. You know damn right they were in Antifa. You know, <laughs> you, you know what happened. And you know the hypocrisy when people were protesting a few months ago, you guys were calling them thieves, thugs, looters, and everything. These guys went in the Capitol, stole stands, they they went in Nancy Pelosi's office, they left bombs, they had, they were trying to take people hostage. This is the real deal. I come from the Comoros Islands. Let me tell, tell you something about the Comoros Islands. You probably never heard of it from Lower East Africa. It's the country in the world, small country islands that has the most coup d'etat in the whole world. Like there's been so many coup d'etats over there. I, I got two albums called Coup d'etat, matter of fact, because I know what happened. Like they had French mercenaries come and kill presidents and do things, things like that. And Never in my lifetime. And then I think anybody would have thought this would happen in America, something like that. And it's it's time for America to atone and, and, and really be honest with itself where we stand. When people are like, you know, this is not us. This is not who we are. We got to say, yes, this is who we are right now. And let's let's do better. I'll take an example. Like there's countries like Germany, for example, who after being torn apart from two world wars, one and two, and, and being embarrassed and everything with the whole Nazi movement, being able to take so much um, importance and so much influence in the world. They, to me, they atoned, they acknowledged their crimes and they atoned for their crimes and they rebuilt and they became a better civilization. And, 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 and they, 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 they're doing good. Like pe people feel more welcomed over there. People are not in, in precarious situations like they would be in America. America has to really assess where they're at. Like white supremacy is a problem. It's been a problem. It's part of the founding factors of America. And we need to talk about it, address it, 
and, and, and gut it at the root and, and tell, tell people like, and make a choice. Like, are we going to accept this? Is this going to be two sets of rules for people here? Or, or, or are we going to be a cohesive country? And, and, and it's like, I see some of these people that are getting arrested. Like the guy for, is sitting in Pelosi's office. I think he's getting one year in jail. There's somebody who did something real minor at the Ferguson, a black guy who got eight years in jail. Like there's always two sets of rules. They felt like they could just walk in and vault into the thing and, and, and nothing was gonna happen. They'll just go back home and live their lives. Now you're seeing footage coming out of them getting arrested at airports and crying. I seen I, I just seen one recently with like two women that they are being arrested and like, why are you doing this to me? Like, you guys just try to overthrow the whole government because you feel as you you, you don't want to accept the fact that your candidate lost. You think you think the other side wasn't butthurt when 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 Trump won the first time it, with the popular <laughs> vote with, with a lower popular vote everybody the, the people who didn't like Trump most of the people in America were, were hurt by that they didn't like it but you know what we understand there's rules to a society there's rules to a game and we got to play by the rules you guys don't feel like you got to play by the rules and it's time to hold them to account Trump included. That's why you have to increase Trump. You have you. They, somebody cannot come and feel like they could do do that. It's important that we have the precedent on the books. You know, that's what I think the biggest piece of impeachment is. As frivolous as it may seem, with only nine days left at this point, us talking today, um, as frivolous as it may seem to impeach with so little time left, the importance is we have precedent that this is unacceptable behavior. Because God fucking forbid somebody with a little bit more of a brain than Trump. Yeah. Um, uh, like, you know, uh, future presidential hopeful Josh Hawley, if he was in a position where he was in Trump's shoes, he would know how to navigate the system exponentially better than Trump could ever hope to do. For so sure. this is, I think, hopefully, what I'm hopeful for is that this um, America will consider this like the warning um, where like, listen, how, you know, realize how close that we've, come to you know losing the republic um because of somebody who felt that they were treated unfairly thankfully they didn't know everything that they could do to try to fight back against the system so let's make sure that there are some parameters in place to make sure someone like him isn't allowed to come this close to you know losing the country for us ever again and and you know the the dissent dissenting voices are, are, are patriotic but violence is not and what happened with people who didn't like Trump? They voted. You guys are mad that Trump lost. Okay, your voice is there. You live here. Like we have to acknowledge you liking somebody or an ideology over another. You got to vote. You got to get your people in for the next election. And that that that's how things work. If we're all gonna fight, it's gonna be a civil war, and it's gonna just get worse and worse for everybody. And I and. The scariest part for me personally is these people are like so convinced that they're right and that they are the ones who are defending freedom. And it's like, man, you could not be looking directly in the face of reality more with some of the information and, and facts that have come out 60, over 60 different court cases now about a supposed election fraud that have proven literally nothing. Yeah. Um, you could not have more reality staring you in the face and somehow you're going to say, nope, you're wrong. Like, 
how do these people function? I don't, I don't get it. I, I, there's like no limit to the things that they won't justify for themselves up to and including committing a murder. Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I seen footage of, um, or pictures of, of the cop that they killed, like in, in the middle With the of the American flag. Yeah. And I'm like, like, how is that cool? Like, I, I don't, I don't understand. You, you guys are so out of it. I think that, you know, I always seen um, America as like a teenager, you know, like the maturity level of if, if a country had a maturity level and an age, America is like a teenager, you know, it's like, it's very idealistic, but it's like, there's no maturity there. And for people to, to fall in these traps and I, and I'm, and, and this ever since COVID started also, the conspiracy theories that are blowing up and it's, it's poisoning a lot of people's brains. Like these people really thought that, I think one conspiracy was that JFK was going to come back to life and, 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 and kick Pence out. And, and then there's another one. Now they're saying that Trump, that, that quote unquote pseudo concession speech, they're saying it was a hologram and they, some people leave it. I, I look at the, the Reddit post. I try to go because I just entertain myself, right? Oh, man. And, and the type of things these people believe in, it's they, some people are so far gone that it's scary. It's very scary because they, 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 they lost. They, you can't really argue with somebody when like facts are not involved or you don't have a baseline of a simple understanding of what reality is. Well, I think uh, I, I think that's the first time I heard the hologram concession speech one, but I, I've definitely heard the JFK and Trump are going to ride in together and like do some kung fu kick ass stuff in the middle of the storm. I think some people thought the storm was last week, but I, I don't know. I think some people think it's going to happen again on the 19th and 20th. Um, I pray to God that now that we've seen that the carelessness of people who have been appointed by Trump um, to not put any parameters or safety measures in place at one of the, you know, most um, and probably, you know, important buildings in the, in the country with, when you consider all of the people that were within it in our government, like number two, three, and four, right. should the president, uh, you know, pass away, vice president and the speaker of both houses were in the building. And, what did you have? Did you see the video of that cop who led the mob away from the Senate chambers earlier uh, in the day? No, I didn't. So it's fucking remarkable, dude, the, the quick thinking this guy had. So there are a lot of people who've seen videos of, of some of the cops who um, opened the barriers and let the yes, people I've in. I've seen that one. So that's infuriating to think about. Okay. And I hate it. And then you see other videos of the cops, like literally taking, uh, you know, selfies with the, these people. And it's like, what the fuck are you thinking? But the way that I've heard it framed by a few people that I didn't really consider is this, um, those people at that point, um, maybe they're just trying to protect themselves, survive. They know not to fight back. Cause if they were to do that, they would be fucking murdered by, you know, right. 35, 40,000 crazy rampant people. Right. Within the house last week, before the Senate chambers were locked and they were, you know, evacuated, the mob uh, got into the Capitol and they started to walk down um, a hallway and they come face to face with a black police officer. Now, the police, I saw, I watched the video of it this morning. You should 
you can kind of see the thought process happen. He looks to his left and realizes what's behind that door, that door being the Senate chambers and sees this crowd and this one guy approaching him. So he goes up to him and he, he shoves him to try to incite him to try to get him to be the focus of this mob, him being a black cop, Jesus Christ. That was one of the ballsiest moves he could have ever hoped. To, it would have been very easy for him to just turn tail and run. Right. But instead he said, I have to divert this crowd's attention over here this way. And they walked entirely by this unlocked Senate chamber doors. And to, to have like that kind of forethought is just uh, amazing to me. Um, but it, it it kind of speaks to the larger point of he shouldn't have fucking had to have had that kind of forethought because I've known uh, as just pretty much a Facebook user that they were planning to do something on January the 6th for most of the last five or six weeks. The fact that this was what the security uh, detail looked like was, I have to say it was intentional, but now that we've had Republican lawmakers have to be subjected to this kind of treatment and that they literally chanted to hang the vice fucking president, a Republican vice president. Let's hope maybe they'll have uh, some security for next time uh, at the inauguration. But did you see this, this one? She's crazy, man. This Republican Congresswoman, I forget her name, maybe Laura. I think she's from Colorado. And while this was happening, she was like live tweeting like where they were or she was giving them information. Uh, she tweeted, <sighs> God, oh, this, kidding. this is 1776 or one day to something on Twitter, like kind of saying like this, this is happening. And she was live tweeting where they were. And she's she's crazy because I was actually on the Nomiki show last week and they played. Um, she 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 put out an ad where. She's saying she wants to wear her gun in, into Congress every day because she has to walk a few blocks to Congress and she wants to be able to protect herself. As if like, that's not one of the most the safest places in the world. I, I'm from DC. So I know like downtown DC, you're not, nothing's gonna happen to you. Right. She's that same one. And she was just going all out like on Twitter. Like these people need to be, needs to be housed from Congress and, and need to be held accountable. It's, it's unbelievable. Like, you're, this is your work. This is your pledge. You were elected and you're trying to work with an angry mob who's trying to, like, take over and, and cause chaos and havoc. Like, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, but this is the level that, that that's the point where we, we, we started. And I think, I think the Dems, it, their mistake would be to, they know, they need to know how to learn how to play ball. You know, like Mitch McConnell didn't care nothing about what bipartisanship or anything like that for, for, for the past years where he was the, the majority leader. And I think the Dems need to act like that and, and really not be, be ballsy when it comes to, to holding people to account. Like there's laws here that apply to everybody. But Trump has been so good at gaslighting everybody where we're not people are not realizing that he's breaking, he's committing crimes. And anybody else would have been thrown under the jail, but he's so good as uh, as you know, deflecting, blaming the media, blaming the devilish Dems, and doing all that that people lose their whole common sense. Like people, I, I even I hear some people, I see some people on Facebook not understanding why he got banned off Twitter. Like Twitter bans people all the time. Right. It's not the first. Why are you guys all up in arms and talking about censorship now? People have been getting banned from Twitter for violating their rules. Why? Why? Why is it 
such an issue now. Because it's their guy. It's their guy. And on top of that, a lot of people are apolitical and they're just reading these, these right-wing think tank memes made for you to be scared and be like, oh, look at what's going on. It's an injustice. Like you guys have no context. And when you don't understand, you don't pay attention. You don't really know any type of history. You don't have any contextual information. You're going to be the dummy. You're going to be manipulated. And that's how they manipulate you. They prey on your ignorance because it's pretty simple. You violate the rules, you're gone. He's actually, he probably should have been banned, but you know, it's easier. It's true. They, 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 it's easier for them to ban him now that he lost. You know, I get that. But at the same time, it's like he probably should have been banned a long time ago. Yeah, the idea of this guy being able to run for public office again in four years and just having this situation be prolonged for the next four years, like I, it makes me want to move to Germany. Um, seriously, I don't know if I have the stomach to sit through this kind of divisiveness anymore. The idea that Biden doesn't want to, or, or has hinted that maybe he doesn't want to, you know, set the precedent of going after a former president. I don't I don't know how you can't do it, man. This guy has just been the You're most- talking about the guy that was talking about locking up Hillary Clinton, the person he was running against. And then did know. it again with Biden and his kids and anyone else who's opposed him. It's he called it's- he called the Biden of the Biden crime family. And like and I'm not even I'm not even a Biden fan, but it's just so ridiculous. It's yeah, right. so freaking ridiculous. It wasn't even like my fifth pick for the, the nomination, I don't think. But um I would I'm fine with um the outcome, obviously. We were able to, you know, win the runoffs in Georgia. Thank you, that Steve great. Abrams. Um the, it's it's a big step in the right direction. Um, we'll see what happens with the senator in Alaska. And if she does, in fact, leave the Republican Party and caucuses with the Dems, that'll be an interesting kind of situation to see. Uh, give us the slight majority uh, without the tiebreaker. Um, I, I don't know, man. We, we can't. People need to realize that. I was thinking about it the other day. Um, one of the things that I always yell about when it comes to Ronald Reagan is when he signed away the fairness doctrine. And I think that when the biases of media were able to come out more in the nineties and early two thousands, it, you know, gave way for Fox news to become the giant thing that it has become 30 years, 35 years later. If you were to ever want to bring back something like the fairness doctrine, I don't think it would work in 2020 because you can never account for the volatility and the wild, wild west nature of the internet. I don't know what we do to try to like deprogram. I, I guess these people who have been, um, you know, fed so much bullshit and lies and information over the last five, 10 years, specifically regarding this administration and, you know, the previous administration, I, I would say, you know, I, I'd probably track it back to when the Tea Party movement started 10, 12 years ago. That's when really this stuff started to ramp up in my opinion, but I don't know, man. I, I just yeah, I, I think New New Gingrich had a lot to do with it too when he he, he realized that you know, and and, and you know the, the 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 religion getting involved with with with, with the evangelical movement, who were involved in politics and things like that, things that don't really shouldn't belong in politics have nothing to do with governing you know a country. People just want peace and be able to know that they could you know just live and not have to worry. Like 
all this violence, all this rhetoric. And the problem also with America is just this this cult of personality that's going on. And I don't I don't see how I don't see the solution to that. And, and I, I look, think about it. It's like there's a conservative in the UK, Boris Johnson. Do you, you picture people willing to die for him? Yeah, you look, you look in Germany, Angela Merkel, the chancellor. Do you picture people willing to die for her? These, do you picture people willing to die for Biden? I don't see it. You know, even though Biden is kind of, he's not like Obama, but he's still, you know, a, a kind of a superstar a little bit. But the, the, the Trump, the cult of personality is ridiculous. Like these people were ready to die for him because he just had to say the word. And I don't get it. Like, I don't understand what gives him that kind of hold on people. Like, I guess it's just like the constantly in the public eye celebrity status. I have wealth. I'm a thing of what you should want to be common everyday Joe six pack. Is that why they hold him in such high esteem? I, that doesn't no, necessarily I, I think, track to be willing to die for somebody to me. I mean, it's, it's, it's that, I think it's the, the attitude of, um, the abrasiveness they recognize themselves in that type of like expression where they, they feel like it's more genuine that somebody that's a little bit more reserved. And I think it's, I think it's, that's why I say it's white supremacy. America needs to come to terms with their white supremacy because there's a faction of Americans that still think it's their country. It still think that they, it, they, they should be on top. They should make the rules. They should be able to do what they do with, with, with no type of punishment. It goes back to history. They used to lynch black people. They used to do this and that. They've had privileges all their life. Even though, even the poor ones, like back then after, after when, when slavery ended during the, the, the periods of uh, reconstruction, I think that there was a populist party where it was, it was pretty mixed, black and white. And as soon as the, to, 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 to divide that, they use racism because even poor white Americans just felt good being able to think that they were better than somebody, even though their night life was crappy. And there's still a little bit of that sentiment with, with certain people that's passed on from generation to generation and their upbringing and their culture. And that, that needs to be addressed. That needs to be addressed. Like, but this is 2020. We're, we, you know, the, the rules have changed. We're not, it's not going to go backwards. It's only going to go forward. And, and this is not acceptable. It's everybody, everybody's here. We're all Americans. We're all the same. And, and that's why George Floyd events and things like that are so important because, and, and look, how George Floyd was treated and how Cal Rittenhouse is treated. They looked at him as a hero. This kid is 17 with guns going to a protest antagonizing people shot somebody and he's being looked at as a hero people with blue check marks on twitter talking about he should run for senate like he should run for congress one day like it, it, that that's that's sickness the society is sick the society is sick and it, it needs it needs to people need to talk about white supremacy and address it for what it is it's an archaic or in an old school ancient way of thinking that has no purpose or value uh, in, in today's world. Man, I don't know if I feel worse or better on the other side of that question that I started this off with. Um, let me ask you, 
I feel like we just danced around a lot of generalities in terms of, you know, things we're hoping for, um, things we're wishing for. Um, before we wrap it up here, wishes for 2021. Uh, anything in particular you got um, that you're maybe hoping for, wishing on, um, looking forward to? Um, what are you wishing about, man? Well, I, I, I hope, <laughs> I hope people get help and the support they need through the time of COVID because people are going to be hitting the street. Uh, people, COVID wouldn't be that that big of a deal if people knew that they could get proper medical care. If the healthcare system was was working for for everybody, it wouldn't be that big of a problem. People wouldn't be panicking so much, and people wouldn't be such precarious situation. So I hope for that. Um, you know, I, I hope. I, I mean, I and I, I just I just hope at, at some point that that you know that the this COVID thing will, will start being less of a problem for everybody because I think uh, it's also driving a lot of people crazy, this isolation and social distancing. I think we need each other. We need the community, but we, we, we can't just be on zoom, you know, like people need to, you, you know what I mean? People, we, we need each other. We need to have that connection. And I hope by the end of the year, I'm, I'm this is wishful thinking. You asked me what I wish for. I, I hope that we could, we could get back to, to things opening up again a little bit, you know what I mean? But <sighs> Me and you both, man. Like you said, I spend a lot of time on Zoom because I make a lot of fucking podcasts. Right. I miss, I miss being in the same room as people. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I see it with a lot of people like me. I'm already used to doing my own thing. So I'm, I'm not that affected by it. But I, I know some people, it, it's it's really bad for them mentally. And and I, I, I hope that they uh, will do the right thing. And and, and I hope like this, this administration is going to, gonna find you know good solutions and uh and handle the crisis better i, I really think that this crisis didn't have to be as bad it, it was gonna be a crisis but I, I think that you know ignoring it the way that the trump administration did uh when it first started was like such a grave mistake and it killed hundreds of thousands of people literally and it's only gonna get worse as we try to navigate this vaccine rollout where uh you know, a third of the country thinks that the vaccine is an excuse to put a microchip in your fucking blood because, you know, info wars. Thank you, Alex Jones. Right. And the rest of the world is like that, too. Like I heard I heard in France, half the people like believe the vaccine is they don't want to take it. So it's like it's it's spreading, you know, and, and America had that leadership role. And I think it's time for America to, to, for, for other countries to stop looking up to America as a leader and just really. You know, so America could really understand, like, you, you guys need to get your, your stuff together because people are making fun of you. Like, this is this is not, it's not the America of the, the 70s and the 80s with the Hollywood movies and stuff. Like, everybody caught up now. And um, you, you got to address, you got to address your, your BS. Well said, man. Um, I got one more tune I want to play um, before uh, I let the audience go. Uh, so I'm going to let it play out at the other side of this, but um, before we, we kick it off, the reason I asked is um, what your wish was is because this hook for this next song, this next song is called Shenron. Um, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I had to go like look and, you know, dig. this was the song that led me to dig and, uh, you know, see which tracks you were using. This is a, 
a GT track, I think, that you used for it. I believe so, yeah. And uh, I don't know, man. It just gives me chills. It gets. I've had a like a shitty month over the last month or so. So putting this one on, just being able to chill for the last couple of days, like I said, is I don't know. There's some kind of emotional reason I'm trying to say talk about, but I can't express the words properly right now. So I want to leave the, the audience with Shenron. Um, but before I let you go, Napoleon, um, where can people find you? Where can people check out your stuff? Uh, all that. You can, um, I have a website, Napoleon, D-A legend, the legend, D-A legend .com. Um, You can find my music videos and everything. I have a YouTube channel. You can subscribe to it. Uh, Instagram and Twitter is Team NDL. And the Facebook of Napoleon the Legend. So I'm on all socials. Uh, I also have a Patreon. You can join. Also on Bandcamp, I have a, you can subscribe to me on Bandcamp. It's only three dollars a month, and I'm and you'll get all my music. Uh, to, to, you know, as it comes out. And trust me, I might go. I'm I'm a solo artist, but I release a lot of music. So if you subscribe to me by the end of this year, you're gonna you're gonna get a whole bunch of music. So. Yeah, man, there's already a bunch, a bunch there anyway. That's a lot. Right. There's a bunch already. And and look, and uh, on top of that, yo, my music is there for y'all anyways. It's not like music is free nowadays. You can go stream it, you can go on YouTube, and I have no type of, uh, I'm happy you guys are doing that. You know what I mean? It's like, I am not mad at it at all. I, I welcome it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad to connect with Dragon Ball fans. I hope. You guys check out my anime projects because I took a lot of pride in doing that. I, I I think I took it to where I don't think another artist has done it the way I have done it in the past. I mean, even Bandcamp uh, did a write up uh, on, on me when it came to those projects. Oh, cool. And um, I really, I, it's just my love. I figured there had to be people like me who love anime and love hip hop. So I put them together. Perfect natural marriage. Um, Napoleon the legend. I appreciate you taking the time, man. Um, here comes Shenron. Super dope. I am not gonna make you listen, watch me listen to your last song for four and a half minutes because it's uh I swear, man, that it's it's such a beautiful song. If I had one wish, I'd probably ask for five more. Good health, maybe more time life so short. Appreciate you, man. The reason why I am Shaka Devotion is because of my attitude. You see, if I'm hungry, I'm gonna go find my food. If it's time to conquer, I'm gonna go ahead and conquer. If it's time to lead, I'm gonna lead. After the sunshine, the rain come back. Had a few good days and then the pain come back. Back to basics, Shaolin stretches on my yoga mat. I'd rather forks on a road than a cul-de-sac. Swollen lift nose, bulging out my neck. Still hit the gym up, woken up my legs. Protein ain't cutting it. Got me wondering why Dolph Rundgren did it rocky. Couldn't get in touch with him. Calendality on my peninsula. Trying to cope, mood swinger like a pendulum. If I had one wish, man, I don't know. Maybe bring back the dead who didn't want to go. 
then again, why? It hurts on earth. The cycle's birth, free birth, back to the dirt on earth. Shit, I can't tell. There's a few perks on earth. Your biggest gift could then become a curse on earth. Sad. When a good relationship go bad, took for granted what you had, now you can't go back. Trying to slow down, but days are going faster now. Kawhi Leonard's with the Clippers, not the Raptors now. Change is constant, mad souls get lost and found. When on the come up, ideas get tossed around. Miss BC, Imani House, she lost the daughter. Ignored at the hospital, insurance underwater. Some worship logos, some rock close to stay warm. Spent hours on the court to shoot J's with great form. When you build with the right ones, then knowledge they born. How this art form turn into a modern day porn sex money murder black woman getting kidnapped sex traffic bodies getting traded with a trick sack gang related artists yes poverty is heartless flip side culture flourishes where death hits the hardest if i had one wish man i'd probably ask for five more good health maybe more time life so short so short man uh, if i had one wish Probably ask for five more. Good health, maybe more time. Life so short. Uh, a great one said, Sunshine can't bleach snow. No good time, unmake what all the poets know. Overdosing on rum late night at the playground, trying to get my pump fake right. Remember me and say Reggie With my boys hoping that my demo would get me A way out the crazy grind Was crazy times Had a little lady down in Harlem She was fine We was looking to be signed We was trying The best way we knew We had a few songs that could have blew Couple of radio joints We hit the stage light Took a couple shots to the face For the stage fright Drunk driving back home Trying not to doze These were things we did Looking for that pot of gold Love and recognition Justifying our existence In this cold world Either you the hunter Or the victim Chasing bags Dark circle bags Under eyes Hoop dreams Long gone I was mad undersized Fuck the job though That shit was like death to me And the way they treated us That shit would get to me Looking in the mirror My future self Stepped to me Said it had to thank me Cause it had a debt to me that's the pep talk i needed and the thought got seated reminded who we are when i'm forgetful i'ma feed it easy to get caught sleeping at the flea market and forgetting what you're worth searching for the cheap option barbershop cutting off few inches off the top my hustle got smarter shortcuts to the top pursuit of happiness with grassroots savviness black dude matching substance smooth packaging ready to live wake self i'm on my path again i let it come to me no longer chasing after it if i had one wish Probably ask for five more, good health, maybe more. Life's so short. If I had one wish, I'd probably ask for five more. Good health, maybe more time. Life's so short.